Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you live today from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. And it is now the sixth day of Unleavened Bread. This annual seven-day festival is all about replacing sin with law-keeping. And of course, as we progress through these days, we picture more and more the complete coming out of sin. We picture that process that human beings can go through from being carnal and sinful to eventually perfect just like God. Now, obviously, today we are all quite a long way off from that level of perfection. But since it is near the, day, the end of the Days of Unleavened Bread, I thought it would be good to talk about an area that really is about some of the finer points of keeping God's law. We want to become perfect in law-keeping. Obviously, we're going to stumble. We're going to come up short much of the time. But if we are even striving for perfection in these more nuanced areas, it's going to be a good indication for us in general when it comes to law-keeping. Now, we do talk about the law quite a lot on this show, on a lot of other shows here on KPCG, of course, on our various websites, in the, in the literature too. And it's not a law that burdens us or weighs us down or makes us miserable when we try to keep it. We wouldn't talk about it all the time if it were some sort of a heavy, heavy burden upon us. The reason we talk about the law is because it is good. It is perfect. It makes our lives better, guaranteed. Here's what it says in 1 John 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. They're not grievous. They don't hurt us. They don't make us unhappy. It's exactly the opposite. And as we keep the law, we are displaying God's perfect love. So this is clearly a good thing. Why would we not want God's love in our lives. Romans 13 verse 10 says, Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Does that sound like such a horrible thing? Now, today, it is pretty common in traditional Christianity for them to teach that the law is done away that that old law has no relevance to our lives anymore. But what exactly is so bad about the law in their minds that the law shouldn't be kept? We're talking specifically about the Ten Commandments. What's so bad about those? How could, how could there be any drawbacks to 
attempting to keep these laws as best as possible. Matthew 22 also sums up these Ten Commandments, gives us sort of the organization of these Ten Commandments. Matthew 22, verse, starting in verse 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So these are the two main overarching principles in the Ten Commandments. You've got love toward God. That's the first four commandments. So you have putting God first, not having any idols in place of God, not taking his name in vain which can apply to what we say and the example we set, and also keeping the Sabbath day. Those are the first four of the Ten Commandments. And those are all about love toward God. Then you have love toward neighbor. You've got honoring your father and mother, no killing, no adultery, no lying, no stealing, no coveting. These are all about love toward neighbor. Now, we have learned more recently as well that these commandments are talking about the first four, talking about how we love God. Those are also talking about loving other members of God's church, the Philadelphia Church of God. So loving God more than ourselves Loving the children of God, those called out of the world today, more than ourselves. And then loving our neighbor, those last six commandments, as much as ourselves. So loving the world as much as ourselves. But either way, if we're talking about loving God or loving our neighbor, it's, it's still quite an incredible amount of love to love the world, as much as we love ourselves, to love God and his people more than ourselves. So by keeping these Ten Commandments, which you can find in the book of Exodus, by keeping these Ten Commandments, we are just flowing with God's love. Now again, how is that such a bad thing? Why does something like this have to be rejected by so many people out there? Well, of course, we know that there is an evil spirit being out there, and he wants to cause people to be miserable. He wants people to reject the law because he knows the law will bring them fulfillment and contentment, peace of mind, happiness. He doesn't want people to experience that. Here's what it says in Isaiah 42, verse 21. The eternal is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. So contrary to this teaching about God and Christ doing away with the law, they actually have magnified the law. 
It's not too difficult to understand the definition of magnify. It's talking about the law expanding in its application to our lives, where it's not just a sinful action that would break God's law, but even a sinful thought or a sinful word. Magnifying the law, zooming in, finding those details, keeping the law perfectly in every aspect. That's totally the opposite of doing away with the law. Matthew 5, verse 17, Christ specifically says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. You see, again, absolutely, completely, totally contradictory to this teaching of the law being done away. So we are today talking about the spirit of the law. It's not just about (laughs) avoiding literally killing another person. We can go over to Matthew 5, actually, and just look at that principle here. That sixth commandment, it tells us we shouldn't kill. Okay, everyone agrees with that, right? It's probably a pretty common consensus that killing other people is bad. But that that commandment, when we apply it to the entire spirit of the law, takes on a whole new meaning. So Matthew 5, starting in verse 21, this is Christ himself speaking. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, you shall not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And then he even continues by talking about saying hateful words toward a brother, cursing him in any way, and how that really does bring about a most serious penalty. So this sixth commandment against killing, when we apply the spirit of the law to it, means we should not harbor any secret hatred in our minds, in our hearts, against other people. It means we shouldn't speak hatefully toward other people. Really, the scope of this sixth commandment is huge. It covers everything once we consider the spirit of the law. Now, Going a little bit farther down here in Matthew 5, Christ gives another example. So the seventh commandment is against committing adultery. Now, generally, people also agree with that. Having an affair, committing adultery against a spouse or against a fiancé or something like that is wrong. If you're in a relationship, even people in the world understand that being unfaithful in any sort of relationship is pretty much frowned upon. It's not exactly a highly respected practice. But it goes much farther beyond that. Much further beyond that. It's not just about avoiding the literal act of committing adultery, the sinful action 
Matthew, 20, Matthew 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, you shall not commit adultery. Then con- continue into verse 28. But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. So even, even looking <laughs> with, the, with lust is wrong. Even a wrong thought in that area is breaking God's law. Not just the literal action of adultery, but the thought, lingering on that thought, searching out ways to view certain content, that is wrong too. This is an article from way back in 2008 from the trumpet.com titled Keeping the Spirit of the Law. And Mr. Stephen Flurry is writing about uh, this example here, both of these examples, the one against murder and the one against adultery. He says the spirit of the law then is the obvious intent or purpose behind each law. This is what Christ was illustrating. When you understand this overall picture, then certain judgments and decisions can be made based upon God's law. Right? So the Bible doesn't necessarily cover every single minute detail, every exact situation we might find ourselves in over the course of a lifetime. It doesn't legislate our lives into a billion different minuscule laws. But if we apply the spirit of the law to these Ten Commandments, we can really understand what God expects from us in every situation. That's specifically why God's church doesn't have hundreds and thousands of different laws. If that were the case, we'd all just be robots. We'd never have to make decisions as free moral agents the way God created us to be. We'd never have to have judgment or discernment. We'd never be able to become skilled in applying God's law in real life. Now, obviously, certain things are black and white sin. The church does not allow that type of behavior. But there are plenty of other things. The type of entertainment we consume, for example. Certain things might be uh, warned against, but there aren't a lot of specific laws. Now, judgments can be made by God's government in specific situations sometimes, but for the most part, that's not really how it is. Every person in the church has to be submitting to God every day, praying to God for help to see where we are wrong and where we need to change, studying the Bible to see how God's law can help us in a given situation. And then we have to make the right decision. 
It's not always black and white. Plenty of time it is, thankfully. Plenty of time we know that certain activities are blatantly against God's law. But then at other times, we have to be able to use discernment. We have to be able to apply the spirit of the law. Mr. Stephen Flurry in this article talks about how God's church under the late Herbert W. Armstrong, God's church today under Mr. Gerald Flurry, does have judgments at times. There are situations where God might inspire his human leader to make a specific decision. But a lot of the time, we have to go based on our specific situations. Mr. Stephen Flurry wrote, Most liberals like to do away with what they consider minor doctrines if the Bible does not give a clear yes or no answer. But if you understand the law of love toward God first and your neighbor second, the answers to doctrinal questions become clear. That's why it's so important to understand God's law more deeply. Then we will not, then we will not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. That's right. We should be able to give a clear Bible-based reason for everything we do every day. Whether that's saying, there's clearly nothing wrong with what I'm doing because the Bible says nothing against it, or this is clearly a fulfillment of the law and even the spirit of the law. We should be able to justify what we're thinking, saying, and doing each day, not based on human reasoning, but based on the principles in the Bible. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So a huge part of this is Bible study. Understanding what the law actually says versus what it doesn't say. Sometimes we can make assumptions about what the law says, but maybe it's not even true. Maybe just studying the Bible more would, would bring some clarity to us. But you see there, it says a workman that needs not to be ashamed. So when we're studying the Bible, when we're diligent in that area, we're not going to put God to shame by the way we're living. We're not going to embarrass ourselves and the people around us by our conduct. We're going to know what's right and what's wrong. And act accordingly. As it says there, 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, rightly dividing the word of truth. Understanding how every law and the spiritual intent of every law applies directly to us. Without God's help, without what the Bible says, we'd have no idea what the law means. The Bible is the most read book in the world and also the most misunderstood book. Plenty of people have access to that book and read it regularly, perhaps every single day, 
And yet, most people don't really understand what the law is all about. Again, that misconception that the law is a burden, that the law is done away, that the law doesn't apply to us anymore. People who read the Bible believe that. We have to have God's help. God has to reveal his law to us. And as this article talks about, really we have to have a different spirit to combine with our human spirit. We need God's Holy Spirit, his power, his love, his understanding, his wisdom. But even even obtaining that power, that spirit, is only possible by believing God and obeying God. We even have to do that before we receive the Holy Spirit, believing and obeying as best we can before receiving it, and then hitting a whole different level, a higher level of faith and obedience once we receive that power. Now, one simple aspect of upholding the spirit of the law is when we learn something new, maybe when we learn that something we've been doing is breaking the spirit of the law in some way, we make a change right away. Maybe we are a bit embarrassed. Maybe we have put ourselves to to shame in some ways by not keeping the law as best we could. But as soon as we figure that out, (laughs) rather than being embarrassed and going into hiding or covering that up and pretending like we didn't learn anything about why we shouldn't do that thing, we should try to change right away. Ask for God's help to change right away. And that's what it's really all about, just continuing to obey. As Mr. Stephen Flurry writes here, if you see it in the Bible and it says to do it, then do it. That's what it's all about. That's what this whole life is about. God wants to see if we will simply obey. Once we receive understanding, will we just obey? We can just quickly look at these Ten Commandments again. I didn't really say them in order earlier, but we can look at them in order now. Um, And just, just think about how applying these Ten Commandments would really change the entire world. If people kept not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. Really, even if the world kept the letter of the law, wouldn't things be a lot different? People wouldn't be getting murdered. People would not be committing adultery, for example. So Exodus 20, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. That is the first commandment, putting God first, not ourselves, not our interests, not our money, our time, but giving the best of all those things to God. Verse four, you shall not make unto you any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. As it continues, you shall not bow down and serve them. So the second commandment is not having any idols in place of God. 
Anything that we spend too much time on that dominates our thoughts too much could become an idol. It's not just literally making a wood carving and setting it up above the fireplace. That could be an idol too if we pray to it. But it's talking about even the spirit of the law. If we set anything above God in our affection, that is an idol too. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the eternal your God in vain, for the eternal will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. So like I said earlier, there are a lot of euphemisms for God's name, people saying the name of God or Jesus Christ when they're surprised or upset. That is breaking the third commandment. But also, if we live a certain way as Christians that contradicts what the Bible says, we could be uh, setting a poor example to the world. They could associate our bad behavior with God's way of life. And that would not really be upholding God's name either. So that's the spirit of the third commandment. You have here verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. Commandment number four, keeping the Sabbath. This seventh day of the week, Saturday, every single week, Friday night sunset to Saturday night sunset. Now, it's not just that we keep our favorite TV shows turned off on the Sabbath and yearn to keep that, yearn to watch those shows as soon as we can when the Sabbath is over. Fully keeping the, the Sabbath day means laboring spiritually pouring ourselves into our relationship with God, setting aside our worldly cares and concerns for a whole day and drawing closer to God. You have verse 12 here, honor your father and your mother. So obeying your parents, not just obeying them, but respecting them, valuing what they say, considering their advice, even as adults. Verse 13, you shall not kill. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. We already covered how we can keep the spirit there. Verse 15, you shall not steal. Now, not all of us break into a store and and take things, but do we always work as hard as we could when we're getting paid? That's a way of stealing. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Verse 16, so lying. We could lie by telling a lie. We could lie by omitting certain facts. Plenty of ways to lie. We could justify lying by saying that we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And then finally, verse 17, you shall not covet. So lusting after the possessions of others, wishing we could have those things. And uh, even it could come to the point where we want to take those things from that other person. So that that gets down to thought as well, not just avoiding taking their things, but not even thinking lustfully about their things. So the Ten Commandments, applying the spirit of the law to those commandments, and especially during these days of unleavened bread, that can really help us learn how to fully keep the law, how to really strive for removing sin and achieving perfection in law-keeping. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. 
You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.